always really hard on myself where I always feel like I'm never doing enough or nothing's ever good enough. And when you're, when you're in a van and you're like exhausted and all you've eaten is Taco Bell for the past month and you're playing your heart out and your fingers are bleeding and you're handing someone your record and you're shaking hands and you're talking to people and you're sweating it out. I think it's just like, you're like, I can't, I'm not, I can't be doing anything else. Um, here I am. Here I am. I'm physically, emotionally, and mentally giving it all I have. I love that. It's really weird because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me. But I have to think of you in front of me because if I don't, then I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing? <laughs> I just have to sit in this van in the meantime. Like, there's nothing else I can be doing. Welcome to yet another episode of the Wandering Wolf Podcast. I am and have always been your host, Yoni Wolf. That's Yoni, not Yanni. When you come and meet me and say hi, don't say hi, Yanni. I listen to your podcast. I'm not going to correct you, probably, but uh, you know, it, it's you know, it's like if I was coming up to you and I said hi, hey, Jocelyn, hey, Jocelyn. You know, I, I've been listening to your music. Uh, for a long time, and it's just really great. Um, or, you know, or whatever. Sarah. Hello, Sarah. You know, it's Sarah. Or whatever. So, you know, Yoni. I'm going on tour in February and March uh, with my band Y. So come and check us out if you live in the U.S. Uh, we will be coming probably within a two-hour radius of where you live, or even closer. Maybe even at your front door. Open up. No. Uh, yeah, come check us out. You can go to why with a question mark dot com. W-H-Y-W-I-T-H-A-Q-U-E mark dot com uh, and see all those tour dates. All right? I don't, I can't even, the political stuff you know, I, I, I pay a loose attention now. Uh, I, I, I was sort of like right on it for a while and knowing everything going on. And I understand you want to be quote unquote woke. And I don't, that word bothers me. It's a little, it's, it's like saying moist or, uh, you know, one of these words that just feels kind of uh, icky, you know. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why. But, uh, you know, I, I am that way. I'm, I, I am very, uh, I'm a liberal Okay, I'm a liberal person, uh, but I don't fall, you know, so neatly in 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 a certain camp. I, I think for myself, but you know, I, I I've been paying attention paying attention to the news for the the last year or so, quite closely, and I have come to a point in the last month or so where I have needed to pull back just a touch. Now I'm not now I'm not out of touch with what is going on. On that level, in the political spheres and stuff, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not unaware. But uh, at some point, it can, it can sort of envelop you. And if you're a sensitive guy like me, give you diarrhea a lot all the time. Uh, and and then no one, no one wants that. No one. My enemies might want that. Okay, but but uh, I certainly don't. 
want that. So you know, I you gotta you gotta quit letting that sit on you the weight of the world at some point. And I am not by any means telling you to not care or to not vote or things like that. Uh, you have to do that, okay? Uh, don't be a fool. Uh, be cool uh, and go to the voting pool poll. Uh, do that and and vote what I tell you to vote for, okay? Uh, but no, I'm just kidding. Vote, vote, vote what you want to vote for. But, but, but don't, don't, don't let the world beat you down with the nefarious characters at the helm of the world. Because I, I believe that we've always had nefarious characters at the helm, uh, in one way, shape, or form. Now maybe they've gotten worse, or they've gotten more obvious about it, or maybe they've gotten more sneaky about it, or both. You know, depending on who. And at what time? But anyway, that's just that's just me. There are some great ways that you could, if you like this podcast, which you know I'm assuming if you're listening to it, you might already know about it and enjoy it, or you might have stumbled upon it because of my guest today, Bridget Battle of the band Tweens. Whatever, for whatever reason, you could support me on Patreon, Patreon.com/forward/slash/TheWanderingWolf. That's easy to remember. You can give, you know, a dollar per episode or $10 an episode or $100 an episode uh, or anything in between or more than that even. Uh, or another option, another great way to support is to buy yourself or one of your loved ones an incredible pair of headphones or earbuds from Studio. Sudiosweden.com. S-U-D-I-O. Su-su-sudio. I, I, maybe I'm mixing that. I, I think I'm singing that right. Or I'm, maybe I'm mixing it with a police song. That's, a, that's a, a Phil Collins song that they got the name of their company from. I think that's right, though. Uh, they're incredible headphones. I just got a new pair recently, uh, and these ones are called the Trey, T-R-E. That's the, the model name. And they're kind of like, uh, you know, they're sort of active headphones. You can have them, you know, in and be running or because they're like sweat resistant. Uh, they, you can sort of hear through them a little bit. Like the, the music bumps in them. But, but like if someone's like screaming at you and, and swinging an axe, you know, trying to hit you in the neck, you know, you're going to see them and hear them doing that. You know, as opposed to some headphones, which are sort of noise canceling. Uh, these are not that way for for a reason, on purpose, so that you can jog around the lake and not have somebody trying to push you in and you don't notice that they're doing that. Um, I also have uh, the first pair that, that uh, they sent me were the Regent headphones, and these are just a classy pair of on-ear headphones that do block out the noise quite a great deal. Both of these headphones that I have are wireless they're they're bluetooth headphones so you can be just like swinging your neck you can you can poltergeist your fucking neck and uh and you're not getting twisted in cable like you used to so do it studiosweden.com it's just in time for the holidays like like hanukkah like just started like this week and it's got another two three four weeks to go uh and then christmas comes okay very soon as well so 
whatever you celebrate, if you celebrate something or if you celebrate nothing, but you, you love someone and you want to get them a great gift, a great pair of headphones, go to studiosweden.com and you can, as you're checking out, use my discount code WANDERING, okay? WANDERING. And you'll get 15% off of whatever headphones you choose to get. That's a good fucking deal. That's a good ass deal. That's that's Costco type deep discounts, but you don't got to buy 10 headphones. You get one one pair, maybe two pairs, maybe three. You outfit your whole family. They have dog headphones now. They don't have dog headphones not yet. Um So yeah, go there, support the podcast by purchasing with my discount code wandering. My guest today, Bridget Battle, is the lead singer and guitar player. Oh, I hate when people the lead for some, that's another thing that irks me is lead singer. He's the lead guitar player from from fucking Striper Man. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. Oz Fox, dude. Do you, how do you like how that I remember that dude's name? But yeah, Bridget Battle, she is the lead singer. She does just happen to be this this singer and songwriter of Tweens. Okay, a little Cincinnati outfit. Uh and friends of mine, an incredible rock band, a rock and roll band. I don't want to start like getting into like deep cut categories like post punk, hardcore influenced, uh, fucking doo wop, shala bala 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 bala. But uh, because I don't really know, those are all made up shits. But it's rock and roll, you know. It's rock and roll. Uh, guitars and drums and bass guitars and singing and and uh, shit bops. The shit bops. So check her out, tweens, okay? Um, what have I been up to lately? What have I been? I, you know, I'm mixing a record for some friends of mine, uh, kind of laying low, kind of on a hibernation uh, tip lately. But that's kind of how winter, I think, becomes for me as I just kind of hunker down in the studio and, and make stews, you know, and, and watch Peaky Blinders or, or whatever kind of uh, bad, great show is on the uh, Netflix. Uh, you know, that's about it. That's about it. I will be reemerging in the spring. Well, I'll be reemerging in February for that uh, Y tour. So go and uh, get your tickets now, and we can meet and greet. We can say what's up. Um, because I will be very excited. I'll be amped to get out into the world after a cold, dark winter. What do you do? How do you keep yourselves? How do you keep yourselves going and not depressed and happy in the winter time? Uh, do you guys have like? Uh, do you have little board game parties with your friends? I, you know, I never know what to, I we we fall into ruts a bit. We do. We get stuck inside and don't really see people much. It happens. It happens. We reemerge in the spring. That's what spring is for, right? Everything's coming out. Everything's in bloom. All right. I'm really yipping and yapping away this time. Uh, let's let's go straight into this. Po- well, I do want to just first explain that this podcast is another one in the series of podcasts that uh, was recorded for the video version, uh, the travel show version of The Wandering Wolf. I made a travel show with my friend Scott Fredette, 
And this conversation was part of that. So, you know, it may be a little different than previous conversations. I was sort of maybe more focused on Cincinnati because this episode was about Cincinnati. It's a pilot episode. Um, and, you know, those of you, well, where can I hear? The, where, can I, where can I see this thing? Uh, I don't know yet. We're going to pitch it around and see if we can get it, uh, you know, d- do more episodes and get them out in the world. Uh, TBD, okay? To be the Taba. But let's go straight into this conversation with my new friend, Bridget Battle. First of all, I, I was not very familiar with your music before we talked about doing this and decided, like, I, I, of course, had heard of your band. I had seen, like, a second of it, maybe, like, at, at the tavern, something, you know what I mean? Like, passing through here and there and liked what I saw. But I have legitimately become a fan over the last little while, Thanks. listening to the album. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's great. Thank it's you. great. I love it. That yeah. makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're like, you're a young buck. You're like 23, 24? 24. 24. We can say 23, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 23 and uh, in a year. Um, are, are you, were you like, where'd you go to high school at? Walnut Hills. I went to Walnut Hills. Really? Yes. What year did you graduate? I'm, I'm, oh! <laughs> Probably the year you were born or something like that. Really. Uh, not far off, actually, if I'm actually doing it, because I know my 20th anniversary is in September. You going to go? I don't think I can do it. I don't <laughs> think I can do it. Yeah, I, I think I promised myself I'd never go to reunions. <sighs> but it was, Walnut Hills probably the lesser of all the evils. Yeah, no, look, I, I like <laughs> everyone that I know that came from there, uh, that went to Walnut Hills, whether it's my year or younger, there's no one older. Uh, they're all super cool and like, yeah, it's, it's good. It is a good set of people. Uh, and I don't know. I, I probably would do it. I might be drawn to do it if I was in town, but I, I think I'm going to be out of town anyway. Mm. I have a show in, uh, Salt Lake City. It's a coincidence, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I heard about the reunion. They set the date. I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Calling every booking agent I know. Um, Anyway, Warner Hills. That's what were you? What were you like in high school? Were you like a punker or like a preppy? I was. I don't. I was figuring it out. I was. I got kind of quiet about halfway through high school. Kind of got separated from my friend because I went there from seventh through my senior year. Did you do that? Did you go for junior high? I went in ninth grade because I went to CBA for. It was like a bilingual school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hablo español. Well, I started. Kind of meeting, I met my bandmates when I was like a sophomore in high school, so I kind of stopped hanging out with a lot of people I ended up graduating with, and I started going to like DIY shows and stuff. So, so they didn't go to high school with you? They're older <laughs> No, they were older than okay. me. Okay. Uh, so yeah, probably about halfway through high school, I just, I think people thought I was really quiet and they didn't know what I did, but that was just because I wasn't going to parties. So you were just, creeping around with older yeah, boys. I was going, <laughs> yeah. How did you meet them? Uh, I, I don't, I started going to shows by myself because I couldn't pay anybody I went to school with to go with me. And, uh, I... What do you mean? They just, no one was interested (laughs) in the same kind of stuff? No, no one. Okay. And I found out about shows going on in weird warehouses and spots and there was Bike House over on Clay Street 
that was having punk shows and art damage and I started going to shows by myself and met everybody who was like booking all of those things and playing in those bands. And uh, yeah, I kind of found that community. And then I was like, high school. Was it, so was it like seriously about uh when you're in high school and, and maybe just after, I don't know, was it all about like local bands and DIY uh, type house shows and stuff? Well, it, it, I started going to like Southgate house shows and when Mad Hatter was around, they'd have a show every once in a while I would want to go to. And that would just be like indie bands who were coming in from out of town. And then uh, through that, I got into kind of the DIY scene. Through what, meeting other people at those shows? Or and just stuff? finding out about more shows. You know, I would pick up a city beat and every once in a while there'd be like a, a big enough show where it would be featured in that. Like I, I think the first time I ever, one of the first DIY shows I ever went to was at Mockby before it had closed down recently and reopened. Um, that band Abe Vagoda came through. Okay. And that show was big enough on the radar for City Beat to feature it. And I was like, I like this band. I think I'm gonna go to this weird old factory building and go see this. And were there local bands opening up and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I remember it was uh, this band Weakness. And then there was that band Flux Capac Capacitors, which was like an instrumental surf band. I don't think they're a band anymore. I don't know them. I, I love the name Weakness. That's yeah. like a straight, you, it just sounds like a Vacation straight played emo too. band. Maybe Weakness okay. would play. I think Vacation played. Okay. But that but that was Jerry and Peyton's band before uh, I met Jerry them. and Peyton were on Vacation? Yes. Okay. So that was their band before we all moved into a house together and we started Tweens. Okay. Are they still on Vacation? Jerry, it's pretty much just Jerry's project now. Peyton okay. lives in Chicago. Okay. Here he's moving back though. I haven't seen him around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, okay, he's so always, I mean, I feel like even when he does move, uh, move back home, you probably still won't see him because he goes, he just tour manages bands all the time now. So he's like never in town. I just see him randomly at like Sidewinder or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, every once in a while. Um, and we, yeah, we, I don't really know him that well, but we just have met, we both tour a lot and, yeah. you know, I kind of, I don't know, we've talked a tiny bit. Um, cool. So what, what kind of music were you first listening to, like in high school, you know, maybe in 10th grade? I don't know. Did something spark your interest that, that felt like, okay, this is like... I really... Uh, As opposed to just like the music your parents listened to or... Yeah. Well, there were like, there were things that me and my mom met halfway on. I mean, I, always, I was always kind of a nerd. I always loved music and was always listening to it. I always had like a Walkman on hand before getting like, going through many, many iPods. Uh, but... Yeah, my mom always grew up listening to like ELO and Heart, and that was always stuff that we liked to listen to together. But I really got into kind of noise rocky stuff, and through kind of the art damage spot, it kind of made me understand at least my interpretation of what punk music was, and I kind of got into that. But what really, what really got me was like late 70s, punk and rock and roll music. And then also through that, I got really into girl groups of the 1960s and like Phil Spector-esque stuff. And also my favorite decade in music was, or is the 90s. Okay. So like a lot of that budget rock stuff, like the Mummies and Bobby Teens, which was kind of like a reiteration of Ramones and also Shangri-La's music. So. 
basically the the, the retro versions of, of the other of shit. The that others, yeah. So what 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 were like the seventy late seventies rock punk stuff that? You, um, I mean. Ramones. Ramones for sure, and the Dead Boys, and I I also love like Kleenex Lilliput, and. So you're going too deep for me now. <laughs> I like the name. <laughs> They're awesome. <laughs> yeah. They're also, I guess, maybe more so early 80s. Uh, and like the raincoats. And. Um, I love that stuff. Oh, me too. Yeah. Me too. Did, uh, did you go to college? No. Okay. I was going to. It was the plan. Because, you know, going to Walnut Hills is the grand plan. Right. But uh, I, I got accepted to go to UC for urban planning. And kind of had some weird family financial stuff go on my senior year of high school and I remember maybe like two weeks before my orientation I was like I can't afford this I probably shouldn't do it and also I was like this major why the hell am I gonna go into urban planning money <laughs> yeah well Big maybe money. but um yeah I kind of just made that decision where I was like I'm I have a couple older friends, they're thousands of dollars in debt, and they have a major that they don't use. Yeah. I don't think they're gonna use it. Probably shouldn't do this. And I didn't, I didn't well, go. Well, you've struck it rich with music, so <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna go home and roll in a Rolling. pile of money. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, you mentioned, you mentioned some music your mom was in. What, 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 what are your, both your parents still around? Yes. Are they together, divorced? They're divorced, they divorced when I was five. Okay. I don't really see my dad, but my mom, none of them were musical. My mom's a good singer. She always enjoyed doing that, but that was kind of more something that she did in high school. She had, she kind of had me and got married pretty young, but uh, they were just kind of big music fans. Okay. They liked what they liked. They weren't, they weren't necessarily, you know, down with some weird stuff. They weren't alternative necessarily, but. Are, are, are they like, what, like, Factory workers, business people, <laughs> uh, what are they Kind into? of everything. My dad's been a firefighter for the city my whole life. Nice. And my mom's kind of worked uh, at a bunch of different companies and offices and stuff. Uh, right now she works at GE. She likes it. Okay. But, um, uh, and you... kind of whatever. You, you, you work here at Black Plastic, yes. or at the North Side location most of the time, maybe, I don't know, maybe here too? No, North Side location. North Side location. And are, um, are you a record collector or anything oh, like yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Okay. I've got many records. Yeah. I keep probably a quarter of them at the North Side store. Okay. Because I don't have any more room for my own. What if you accidentally sell your own records? That would be, unfor I'd be upset. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I'm a big record collector. Were you writing songs like in high school and stuff or before that or anything like that or? No. Not at all? I never thought I could play in a band until we just tried it what, when I was uh, what 19. You, okay, so you had been, ha <laughs> so you're hanging out with yeah. these guys. And I would book, I, I, I was involved, like I would, I would book, I would book shows. I would book shows in basements and stuff. I kind of like, wanted to be a part of it somehow. I didn't really think I could, I was capable of being a musician. Maybe I valued it too much. I was like, I can't do that. It seemed like too much of an achievement. So yeah. what, what changed or what, ha like how did you get your, your, your chutzpah up? Um, well, I guess it technically started 
when I started playing in this uh, experimental band called Public Housing, and I played like electronics, like in an oscillator and a bunch of pedals, and it was pretty, pretty free. You could do whatever you wanted. You didn't have to think about it as much. You just kind of had to feel it, and that was kind of the first time that I ever played a show. Is that in like the art damage school of, yeah. of just noise? Yeah. Yeah. And so that kind of made me realize that I could maybe start making music. So I moved into a house in Northside on Kirby with Peyton and Jerry. And we moved into that house to have shows in our basement because all of the places that we used to hang out with just kind of shut down all at once. and. I was still under 21 and everything was happening at bars again and we wanted to have a spot that could be all ages. So we moved in there and they were practicing because they were doing vacation, they were doing you know, other projects. And uh, I went down there with, like a, with an old Dixie Cups song and we covered it. Who's, who's Dixie Cups? Uh, they're just a 1960s girl group. Oh, like a Phil Spector group type thing? They or? weren't a Phil Spector okay. group, I'm pretty sure. But that vibe cut from the same cloth. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, we started playing cover songs for fun, and Jerry taught me a power chord, and I started to a learn how to chord. play guitar. And I started writing songs. And um, after being a cover band for a couple months and playing shows and getting acquainted with playing a guitar... Uh, we started doing our own originals. Did, was that called Tweens? Yes. Okay. It was always Tweens. It's funny because the name came very easy, and I don't even really remember why we named ourselves that. I think that was around the time where that word came out, maybe, right? No or like way. when people started. Tweens is, tweens is older than is that. Is it? Okay, okay. It's gotta be. I mean, I think that we, we liked it because. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe. We were like, That's this is a funny word. That's when I remember first hearing it 5-10 years ago. But, you know, when it comes down to, you know, the, the girl group thing, you know, that I was telling you that I was really stoked on, there's also kind of like Beatlemania and kind of just like that 1950s and 1960s, like rock and roll frenzy where like all of these teeny boppers are losing their minds, like seeing rock and roll music for the first time. And I think that we liked the name tweens because it was kind of an ode to that in some way. Yeah. But yes, I don't know. We came up with it and we're like, this is, yes. It's a great name. <laughs> it's a great you. name. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I forgot to look up how old tweens is though. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I have, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I remember that, com that word coming out five, six years ago. But I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. It's about how old this band is. Yeah, yeah. Right. On the album, you got it's, it's a lot of songs, and I, I can't. I, I looked up the lyrics, right? I was like trying to find the lyrics and stuff, and I could only find the lyrics to one song. And they're probably very wrong. Probably, probably <laughs> wrong. Probably wrong. But it gives me a little bit of a gist. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was uh, "Be Mean." Is that right? Is that the name yes. of the song? Okay. And um, are they mostly like? relationship stuff or stuff about yeah that that was the that was kind of the thing when I like I said when I those were like the first kind of songs that I'd ever written and it was crazy to put out a record 
that pretty that had literally every song I've ever written in my life on it. I mean, there's there's no there's no unreleased B side. Right. There's everything. Right. The um, vaults are empty. <laughs> at the time. You know, there's new songs now, but uh, I was modeling it off of yeah that girl group heartache, and then there was also. But wait, wait, I, I don't know what you mean. Modeling it off of a girl group heartache. Yeah, all those songs are about like dating, dating boys who ride motorcycles, who are right. no good. Yeah, that song is about bad boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're like, I want you to be a bad boy. You're a good boy. And um, also uh, kind of the 90s girl groups that I liked a lot, which were like a little more risque. Such um, as? Uh, like Bobby Teen songs, there was Hot City Boy, which I modeled the first song I ever wrote, which was Hardcore Boy, off of that song. Okay. So I just like, I needed kind of like a parallel just to see if I could do it. And it was like already kind of what we wanted tweens to sound like. So yeah, the first record is mostly about heartbreak and unhealthy relationships. And also I was 19, so they, I mean, that was kind of what I was absorbed in anyway. What 19-year-old doesn't want to be the bad, the bad boy? That's, that, is a, that is a trope, I think. Just kind of navigating that, you know. Yeah. Coming of age and figuring stuff out. Being a young adult. Yes, yes. I, you're, so you were 19 making that album? Yeah, I think I was like 18 when we started the band. Maybe 19. And then uh, we recorded the record when I was 20. That's crazy. So what and how did the how did the French kiss thing come about? It was a really weird fast couple months because we like I said we were a cover band for almost a year and we started recording the originals. We started doing the demos. And let me stop you one second. Where were you playing as a cover band? Like like house shows or, or bars? Everything. We would play our own basement. Um, the first show that Tweens ever played was at the Comet. And um, I remember I started, like we started the set and I played the first note wrong. I'll never forget that. <laughs> there was probably five people there. Um, and, that was, and then that kind of became our spot. The Comet was where, where we were born. And we did the residency there, kind of what everybody goes through, I feel like, locally. And we played Motor. We played, we played everywhere. We would, if someone asked us to play, we would most likely do it. Okay, so you were making demos. So we started, you started writing We started writing. We started doing about, uh, we started recording about five or six original songs, and we demoed those. And we were going to save those for uh, a demo tape to start going on tour. And before we left for that tour, we released one song on the internet because we were like, all right, you know, these people seem to like it all right. Like, let's give them an original song. And we put Be Mean on SoundCloud. And that was just like a, like a, the same version on the album or a different version? Different version. Just like a four track thing or a garage band thing or something? It was, it was a, it was four track. It was maybe like track or something, but Jerry recorded it. Tape. It was a tape. Yeah, tape recording. And we put that online and about a couple days later, we got an email from French Kiss. Jesus. And it was a weird series of events where like we 
put that song on at the perfect time, and we had already had an East Coast tour booked through like Jerry and Peyton's friends through vacation, and we were supposed to play Union Pool with our friend Nude Beach. And the guy who booked that show went to college with this girl from French Kiss, and she got an invite to that show, and she liked the na band name Tweens. And she listened to that demo, which just so happened to be on the internet at that time. So wait, she had been to the she had been to the show first. And, no, okay, she so just, she just saw she that knew it was, you were gonna it play. It was gonna be there, and you know, she her job was to kind of keep an eye out on new bands, you know, see if that's anything that they wanted to sign or participate in, and she she found that demo and she hit us up immediately. So you heard about? So she hit you up, and so you had the prospect of French Kiss before you played that Union Pool show? Yeah, and then once Were that- Were you nervous as fuck? Oh, for sure. Well, once that happened, they booked us a bunch of other shows in New York to have, you know, more opportunities to see us. So they booked us a show at Glasslands when it was open. And uh, I think there was one at Cake Shop when that was, oh, everything's closed in Is Cake York. Shop closed too? Yeah. Oh, I didn't that know that. was my favorite. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's closed. And yeah, so I met them. That happened. And were you? Did you? Do you? What's your? What's your vibe? You? You had been playing music for like a year. Did you? Do you? Do you rise to the occasion? It wasn't even a year. It wasn't even a year yet. Huh? Do you rise to the occasion, or or do you? Or I did do you my like best. feel like you're choking the whole time? Yeah, or? for sure. I mean, I kind of was like, fake it till you make it, baby. Just do it. And and Peyton and Jerry at least had played another band, so they were good at touring. I was very close to them. We all, and, and one of the good things about none of us knowing how to approach like the label situation and all the things that started happening was that we took comfort in that. So we were all kind of bracing ourselves together in a way. And yeah, we just kind of went for it, you know. But it seemed to work out, right? I mean. Yeah. It, it, and it, do you think it was a, it's been a positive relationship with them? Not always, <laughs> but I think that's because everything happened really quickly. Yeah. And what was supposed to be kind of like a fun cover band turned into something that kind of took over our whole lives in a good way, in like a positive way. I mean, it was like kind of what we all wanted to do was to be able to tour and make money and thrive on the music that we made. Do, does, but do you, it sounds like you feel a bit of pressure about it. Yeah, always, because I never really had a chance with this band to just take a step back and, I don't know, it was always kind of like cranking stuff out or constantly touring and working on it. Uh, so you, I imagine you have some material for a second record. Yeah. Do you, uh, is it the kind of thing where the label's like listening and, you know, we want yeah. this direction and you want, because you guys achieved a certain amount of success on the first album and right second album they want to break through right i just it's kind of weird because um yeah i have one more record with french kiss and the lineup's different so, i've been kind of going through like a bunch of different members tell tell me about that who is it so J jerry or neither jerry nor Peyton? yeah okay. um, jerry left to kind of pursue vacation again. That was his project. He yeah. wanted, I think, to just work on something of his own. And he left a couple years ago, and then maybe a half a year after he left, 
Peyton was like, I don't really want to play music. I want to tour manage bands. And he ended up moving to Chicago. Because tour managing is a lot more fun yeah, than playing music. Yeah, he literally chose to do probably the least like desirable job. The worst job <laughs> in the world. The worst job in the world, literally. But that's what he wanted to do. I think everybody kind of needed a break. I mean, God bless him. Tour managers are, are essential and, and wonderful. And he's good but, at it. Yeah. He's good at it. Um, so it kind of took me a while. I, yeah, I kind of played with a bunch of different people. And... Uh, Who's, who's, is, is there a, a definitive lineup now or is still, you're still working on it? Still kind of working on it, but it's looking good. I added a, I added a second guitarist. Okay. And we've been practicing, um, his name's Phil. He's in Temple. I don't know if you've okay. heard of that band. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, the new record kind of has a little more guitar parts on it. it. There's a lot of guitar on the first one too. Oh, you mean just more layers and yeah. stuff. Is, uh, um, I forgot what I was just gonna say. <laughs> um, oh, it, it, um, it is. How did you end up? So, what you ended up with the contract? Just you then? No, we all did. Okay, but um, I kind of just was the one who carried it on. Um, yeah, I don't think it really mattered that much, honestly. Because they were they the guys were gracious, and they were like, "Yeah, you go ahead and do it." Yeah, yeah. Um, and these, the new players, are they coming out of other Cincinnati bands mostly? Yeah, like, um, BJ and Ben play in a band called Swim Team, and Ben was in Sacred Spirits, and BJ was in a band called White Walls. When I met him, it was really good. They sounded like Jesus Lizard, and they were cool. Um, and yeah, I don't know. They've played in band. Yeah, I've known them, I've known them since I was in high school. Okay. <laughs> From just in and out around shows and... DIY shows. Can I ask you a little bit about the recording of the of the the tweens tweens? Yeah. Um, I'm just curious what the process was. Where you guys recorded it? it was, is that out of town or was it in Cincinnati? It was in New York. It was in it was in Dumbo. Okay. And it was with Eli Janey. Um, we met him through Sid from French Kiss, and he played in a band called Girls Against Boys. It was in a basement. Studio, it was nice. Uh, we probably did it in two weeks. We stayed there, we slept on floors. So that's every quick. Night. Yeah, it was pretty quick. They thought it was gonna be a little longer, but we're, we were so used to cranking that out in our basement with Jerry that we did it pretty fast. And is it analog? It, so it sounds like tape to me. Yeah. Yeah. It is. is it, what, what was like converted to that, I think? Yeah. Was it, did you do it mostly? Live, like to me, it sounds like you guys yeah, pretty much played it. That's live. what we we wanted to capture that because uh, I don't know. Live, it's always been pretty high energy, and that was one of the biggest things that we wanted to convert to the record. And I think that thank you. I think Eli did a good job. Yeah, yeah. I think it sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did it kind of mostly live. Yeah, and then and just overdubbed other things. And I did vocals, obviously. After. You did vocals later. Yeah. Okay. That's not obvious. Sometimes you <laughs> do it at the same time. Um, but you. So you did your vocals later, and and are there like, did you layer up guitars or is it mostly yeah. like one? I did layer. Okay. Guitars. And vocals too. Yeah. Okay. I think I think most of the time. Two, the three. vocals are doubled. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just curious about that. I couldn't tell. <laughs> Which Recording is, is hard. It's hard for me. It makes me a mess. It's so hard. It was, it was like emotionally taxing and draining. 
but I have a question. I don't. I don't know. I mean, this is like maybe a stupid question, but I, I'm. I was curious just listening to it. So, all the songs besides "Want You" are pretty similar, like <laughs> tempo wise. Yeah. Is that an intentional thing? Is that is that like a, a punk trope or like a, a? I think in a way, I, and I think a lot of it has to do with Jerry too on the drums. Uh, That's the only tempo he knows how to play. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's a good drummer, but he's an excellent drummer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, they were just coming out of punk bands, and I was coming out of pretty much no bands, and we we definitely had we had a vision in mind and yeah i guess i suppose it is kind of an ode to what we were inspired by but <sighs> fucking hi-hat <laughs> like consistent tempo all through the way see what you is like the one song on the record where i have i kind of have a hard time listening to I'm, why i like I'm, that I'm song i'm always like <sighs> i'm not like the whole album honestly it's, it's i wish the... i recorded it differently how so i think that like that was the first time i ever recorded in a studio so I was overwhelmed and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So when we got to Want You, that was a song that I would just play by myself on stage with just an electric guitar and I would sing and they would kind of drop out. They would go get beers. That was their beer break. And so when we went in to record that song, we were like, all right, so how should we do this? So we added all that kind of weird delay and feedback onto it and I always listen to it and I'm always like, so do what you wish it was just real simple raw no no effects kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, maybe or I don't know. I don't know how I would change it. I think I would I would have simplified it for sure. Huh. I I I, I like the sound of it. I like how it trails off into into that uh ec the echoing yeah. bliss. It works for me, but maybe it would be good simple too. So <laughs> does this mean then that the next album will have different lots of different tempos and stuff? Yeah, I think so. The next record is not and, and feels too yeah the next record's more sad it's a little angrier uh it's lyrically it's not it's not be mean it's not about motorcycle bad boyfriends <laughs> it's kind of about everything that tweens has been through the past couple years and uh just kind of evolving in that way i think and it's kind of sad in that regard um, because what's been sad about the last couple of years? I think just change. I have a hard time with it. And uh, when I kind of had to mix it up and Peyton and Jerry left, uh, that was hard. That was hard for me. So it is, it's kind of like a breakup record too in that regard. So it's about that. And Can I get... At, look, as an interviewer, all... <laughs> one really wants is for the person you're interviewing to start crying. I'm not gonna at cry. Some... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got some Visine in my purse. Good, good. We can, we fake, can fake it. it. We can fake it. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's sort of a breakup with the, with the yeah, first and, iteration and I did, of the band. And I did go through a, a like personal breakup Romantic too breakup. as well. So it was like breaking up with three men at once. And so a lot of it has to do with that. But yeah, now it's also kind of Kind of shaping up to be about coming to terms too with who I am and what I want tweens to be next, and that's growing up. And it's not necessarily about. I don't know. I don't really know what it sound sounds like or what it's inspired by anymore because now it's just kind of who I am and the 
things I'm writing about. That's really vague. That's what it should be, though. <laughs> but that's what it should be. But what, so you say uh, about what tweens has become or, or is now. Which has always, it's kind of always been me. You know, it was it was my baby and, and uh, you know, I've, you know, I'm not the same person I was five years ago. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm excited to hear it. I for one am very excited to hear it, uh, and yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it. You've done a good amount of touring already, right? Yeah. Um, have you done headline tours or, or mostly opening tours? Both. Okay. You you I I read that you opened for like the Breeders and Black yeah. Lips. How did that shit happen? So uh, that was during that kind of crazy couple months where we got hit up by French Kiss. Um, Around that same time, while we had just started talking to the label, um, I got this email one night, and it was from Kim Deal, and she was like, I went in to shake it, and I asked Jim Blaze if there was a local band who we think should open our Southgate House show to kind of kick off the anniversary of our album Last Splash. And I looked at some YouTube videos. There was probably only like two YouTube videos and they were probably all cover songs, but she liked it still. Dude. And she asked us to do it. And so we played that show. Did you freak out? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, like I, the Breeders was probably one of my favorite bands since I was, you know, like 15. And I love Last Splash. Yeah. And Last Splash is great. I'm all about Title TK. Title TK is great. Shit. I love them all. God. Yeah, Title yes. TK is really good. Yeah. Bummer jams on that record. Are... Yes. Yes. But we played that show, and uh, I remember, I mean, all of them are really nice, down-to-earth people. So they, they, talk, like, they came over, and they're like, that was great. And she was like, we should, you know, play some more shows together. And we're like, Hulk, okay. Right. But yeah, that'd be amazing. And then like a week later, we get a, like a email from her manager and she was like, you guys should do the East Coast tour with us. Like the 20th anniversary Jeez. tour of Last Splash where they're playing it from start to finish. Jesus. And like sold out shows. I mean, like the, like the third time we ever went to New York, we played a show at Webster Hall. And it was bizarre. And then, and then after the East Coast tour, they asked us to do the West Coast tour. And the first time we'd ever been to the West Coast, the first time we ever played San Francisco, we played two nights at the Fillmore. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it was I'm just about to play the Fillmore for the first time. Well, headline for the first time in the spring. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. They give you apples. It's awesome. Yeah, apples? <laughs> yeah, it's like their tradition. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. So um, did you feel like the audience received you guys well? Like a lot of, you know, a lot of times... As an opener, I know, as I've opened for bands, they're just like waiting for the next band. Other times, it People works out. Really, like, really nice. Um, I remember the first show that we played with them, because we had to drive to the West Coast without them. They, they, I think they flew there. They went to the stuff there. We drove all the way out there. We get the first show is at the El Rey in LA. And Peyton breaks a bass string. First song. How does that I even break happen? A it just doesn't, it, but it did. And I broke a guitar string, and I got to use Kelly Deal. Let me use her guitar, which was cool. And uh, Mike Montgomery, who 
owns Candyland Studio here in Cincinnati, and he plays with Kelly in another band called R Ring. He was like kind of their guitar tech, and uh, he fixed Peyton's bass string in like two minutes, and we went back on there. I mean, like in in the L Ray Theater, yeah. like just it was embarrassing, but also like you know, and cool a cool embarrassment to be had. But uh, yeah, people still liked it. Like I said, we broke two strings and. People were still receptive. We had no merch. We didn't have an album. Oh, right. So that's before <laughs> the album came out. Yeah. But do you think that that dr drummed up interest and, and that, that people bought the album when it came out? Yeah, or? we put out, uh, I think we did like a bunch of CDRs, like Pawcores did, um, did like from Ice Cream Factory did like a kind of series of CDRs. So we had something to sell for just gas and all that. But yeah. No record. There's no record. Well, that's inc that is an incredible <laughs> situation. And then the Black Lips, how did that come so about? So that happened. Um, they weren't touring on a record. They were touring on that documentary that they had just made about touring the Middle East. Okay, I don't even know about that. Yeah, I, I didn't out. see it because like every time they would they would screen it, it was only maybe like five days East Coast mostly and Nashville. Um, they would have screenings before the shows. Um, but that was kind of through our, my friend Paul at French Kiss. I think that they were looking for an opener to do those shows and they put us out there and uh, yeah, we got that tour. Nice. So you're like deeply entrenched in the Cincinnati scene. I feel like yeah. you, you like when we're talking about stuff and how things went, you're like, you know, Paul Kors, blah, blah, blah. you know, yeah. you like naming a ton of people that you seem to be deeply connected. Do you, do you think that's true? Yeah. Do you feel a, a, a serious support system here? For sure. I, I, I think that that was kind of one, of one of the biggest reasons people started coming to tween shows and we got so much support early on was because all of us had been so deeply embedded in whatever projects, whether it be booking or other bands around town. I've been like working in the service industry with a bunch of other people who are, you know, musicians and artists where people were stoked on kind of our project because they've known us for so long. And yeah, I don't know, just kind of being around going to shows and booking shows since I was like, you know, a young teenager and knowing some of these people now for 10 years, yeah definitely feel a big support system and I feel, I always, like, I don't know, just always felt a close community with everybody. I mean, even in living in Northside, I mean, I, everywhere I go, I at least know somebody and it's because all of us have known each other for so long and it's kind of like a small town for being a kind of decently sized Midwestern city. And I always liked it for that reason. So you, you know, having seen some success and getting some some notoriety um, nationally and maybe even internationally, I'm not sure, like, yeah. probably, like, you must have considered or thought about the idea of like, oh, you know, I should move to LA, I should move to New York. Well, I tried to live in New York. And it was right when Peyton and Jerry left and I was kind of like, I don't know what to do, you know? I feel like I need to keep this going, like, this is what I'm supposed to do and French Kiss is based out of New York. So when they kind of knew that transition was happening, they were like, you should move here. So I tried to do that for a couple months 
I signed a lease in Bushwick, but I was like really depressed and I missed home. And I also missed how cheap home was. <laughs> and I was kind of going through it. I think that I was, I was gonna be happy no matter what city I was living in at the time, but being, being really homesick made it a lot worse. And uh, yeah, I, I moved back <laughs> fairly quickly. Were you welcome back with open arms? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Good, good. <laughs> so yeah, you're, you feel pretty settled. You think that it's okay to, ha like, to have a career, a broader career and still live in a, in a smaller city like I this? Think it, I think it makes more sense. The, I, the deals do that, right? Yeah, I, I think they still live in Dayton. I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, especially when we were going on tour for half of the year, to not have to worry about subletting an apartment, and I don't, it's just so cheap to be able to travel all the time and to do the things that you want to do outside of the city, you know, to have like a home base that's just dirt cheap. It's just, I think it just makes the most sense. I mean, if you're hustling in every other aspect, why worry about you know, where you live and a job situation. It's just easier to kind of like come in and out when you want to. And you can do, and with working here at Black Plastic, you can come in and out when you go to go on tour, you go on tour and come back to yeah. work. Steve lets me, Steve, Steve lets me tour. He's a good, good. boss. Good, good. <laughs> supportive, supportive of the arts. That's a good thing. Um, are you, so, are, are you, how are you on tour? Are, are you mellow? Do you try to get your sleep? Or, or are you a wild partier type? A little bit of both. You gotta balance it out. Uh, I love going on tour. I think it's, I think it's probably my favorite part about playing in a band. Cause I'm always really hard on myself where I always feel like I'm never doing enough or nothing's ever good enough. And when you're, when you're in a van and you're like exhausted and all you've eaten is Taco Bell for the past month and you're playing your heart out and your fingers are bleeding and you're handing someone your record and you're shaking hands and you're talking to people and you're sweating it out. I think it's just like, you're like, I can't, I'm not, I can't be doing anything else. I'm doing all I can. I'm physically, emotionally and mentally giving it all I have and like, I just have to sit in this van in the meantime. Like, there's nothing else I can be doing. I know what you mean. And it's I, just I know like what you mean. the only time where I feel like I'm content or I'm doing the best I can and I'm giving it my all. Because other than that, I'm always like not doing enough. I absolutely know what you mean. <laughs> I, I, when I'm at home, when I sh when I'm supposed to be like writing or what you know, like you know, working on towards the next material. Like every day, I have this feeling like. You know, I'm not doing enough. I'm not, yeah. you know, like, what a fucking, you know, like, yeah. I'm, I'm a loser. I'm, what am I doing? On tour, I just, I give myself a break. I do the same thing where yeah. I'm like, you know what? Like, this is exhausting and it's enough. I'm playing a show every day yeah. and like, you know, performing to people and that's my job right now. And I, I love that. Yeah. And I also, you know, I love to perform. It's probably my other favorite thing about playing in a band. Mm -hmm. So it's the... The combo that works out. Mm -hmm. um, okay, what what are you? You say you're working on the second Tweens album. Mm -hmm. Is that do you have other bands or is that pretty much your okay. main focus? It's my main focus. I tried doing it a couple other times. Like I've 
I've had other side projects with other friends, but I feel like this is the only thing I need to concentrate on. It's the only, I don't know. It's gotta be, it's all or nothing for me, I think. I just can't, I can't have other projects. If you want an old person's opinion, that I think that's really important actually um, to, to have a, a sort of a singular focus. Yeah. Um, in, in, and I, I mean like, as grimy as it sounds like in the industry or in the, like to just pound something out, like, you know, and artistically too, I think, like to really grow something yeah. and, and spend all your time and energy on it and see what, what happens with it. I think is good. Yeah. So that I think you're making the right move. So I feel, but the only time I ever, I ever think that it would be better for me to play in other projects is to just kind of like to become a better technical musician. But I, I just don't, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I write songs in a particular way. And if I like hear something and how I need to write it, I'll just learn, I'll learn how to play it that way. But yeah, for the most part. I think when I say that, I guess I mean more for your writing, where your writing yeah. should go. Like also I, just mental, I mean, it just, mentally, it, it yeah. just takes up so much yeah. of everything yeah. in my mind. And yeah, I can't, I'm easily overwhelmed. I can't, I can't, yeah. I can't, can't bite off more than that really. Anything else that you're looking forward to in the in the future maybe not in the immediate future but sort of in the distance like you know i'd really like to uh you know make a movie or i'd really like to do this or that any other projects that you have sort of a distant sight on oh i just i want to i want to get this next record out because i think I, I mean to me it would mean the world especially after kind of all of the change that's happened through this project and kind of how much i've changed um, so that's the number one goal and goal. I'd also really, really like to tour Japan. Oh, I so just, I want to get I just this record out so I can go there. I was just there in, in April and May, <laughs> or May, uh, beginning of May. How cool was it? It's oh incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's weird as hell yeah, and awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for talking to me. <laughs> Thanks yeah, for that having was incredible. Me. I, I'm, I'm just, I feel really good to get to know you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm happy you guys asked me to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry you had to come and corner me at work. It's all good. We're good. We're good at hunting. <laughs>
at the checkout stand on the website, studiosweden.com. You enter my code, WANDERING, for a 15% discount. And then you're really rolling with the big boy, with the good headphones. You, if you for real listen to music on your on your white uh, Apple uh, I, I, iPhone headphones, you're doing yourself in the world a disservice. I mean, they're not bad headphones. They're great for talking on the phone. But if you if you want to be out listening to music, get, get you some, some studios. Sort of. Okay, it's been a pleasure. And I hope to see you all in the spring on the Y Tour, or I guess late winter, February, March. Uh, other than that, I'm gonna be hunkered down, but I'm gonna have another episode before too long. Everybody, keep wandering.
fucking outro. I'm like, oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> or something like that.